You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything that you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that's going to effortless unite your in-person and online sales into just one source of truth. You're going to be able to track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. You could connect with customers inline and online. And Shopify, it's going to help you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns. So we're talking about TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business, take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or you can use Shopify's POS Go Mobile device for battle-tested solutions. Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. I say do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash headspace. That's all lowercase. So you're going to go to shopify.com slash headspace to take your retail business to the next level today. I'm going to say it one more time. Shopify.com slash headspace. Headspace Imagine if I could give my all to the right person. You know what I mean? And I'm doing myself a disservice by withholding all that love I have because I'm thinking about that person that disappointed me. Have you ever wished you had a wise meditation teacher on speed dial? Someone you can call after a long day. Someone you could lean on for their advice. Someone to listen and help you to see things differently. Welcome to Dear Headspace. Hello, everyone. Here we are with another episode of Dear Headspace, a podcast where I sit down with a Headspace meditation teacher and we answer your questions. Now, I am Robin Hopkins, and today I am here with the amazing Dora. And if history has shown us nothing, this is going to be a good chat. Hi, Dora. Hi, no pressure. I, I know, I know. I really did set the bar pretty high there. It's okay, it's okay. I work but, best under pressure. I, and also, listen, I've talked to you many times at this point, and it's never not a good conversation. So I, mm. I think the bar is just okay where it is. Yes, thank you. I'm excited to be here. I have a little bit of an unpopular opinion about Valentine's Day. I, I don't like it. And I, 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 I think it's too commercial. Mm. I think it's forced appreciation. Mm. And I, I don't know. It's just like I feel all this pressure to do this perfect thing versus just maybe being a little kinder every day. That's I don't know. That's my take on it. It feels yeah. like you can't get a dinner reservation. 
for many years, I couldn't get a date. Oh, I mean, it was a little sad, but we're, it's enough about me. I want to, yeah. what's your take on Valentine's Day? I would say with all holidays, to be honest, once I moved out of my mom's house, I started to realize that I don't have much of a connection with holidays. Like kind of what you had said, like, why am I waiting 365 just to show my love and appreciation and gratitude to people who I see every single day? Right. And yeah, that pressure from society, whether it's Christmas, Easter, all these different holidays, there's so much pressure. And it's like you can never do it right in the eyes of society. There's always someone that's going to do it bigger and better, especially with Valentine's Day. So I, um, you know, I like it for what it is. Sure, if that's the only day that you receive love and that's special to you, that's great. But for me, I'm like, I am really just trying to show love every single day of my life. Yeah, and it may, yeah. and it gets like, well, I did this last year, so I have to do, it has to be equal or of greater value this year. Yeah. I mean, like, look at what's happened to prom proposals. I mean, people <laughs> are, like, jumping out of sky, like, you know, planes now. <laughs> it's a lot, but I think, you know, it's just a great opportunity for you to redefine how you want your holidays to be like. So, you know, maybe Valentine's Day doesn't have to include someone else, but maybe you take the day to practice self-care and you do something luxurious, like go to the spa or you hang out with your girlfriends or I do love this. I do love where you're going with this. You know what I mean? You can make it your (laughs) own. And I think that's where the pressure comes from is that we believe that we have to follow like societal standards. But I think there's so much power in just redefining what you want Valentine's Day to be like for yourself. Okay, well, while we're on the topic of love and Valentine's Day, Mm. what's the best thing you learned from your worst breakup? I think for me, right now I'm learning about from all my experiences the power of unconditional love. So despite the conditions around me, can I still be loving and caring? Um, So despite whatever it is that I've experienced or what someone has done to me or hasn't done to me, can I still remain true to who I am, which we all are, caring and compassionate and loving. And it's almost like a practice of equanimity. Like when you get thrown off balance, can you come back to your center? And yeah, that's been the greatest advice or lesson, I would say, is just despite the conditions, we're always returning back to a place of love. That's awesome. And I particularly like how... It wasn't about another person. It was just about you and what what's right for you. Yeah, that's what relationships are. They're all mirrors, right? You yeah. may have this Wait, person. That's the truth. Right? When you even when you experience love and you feel that sensation in your body, you know, there's that expansiveness and the tingling and warmth. It's really you generating those feelings. You just have that person in front of you that's causing you to feel that way. But we can create those within ourselves, right? If you think about it, it's not that the person's like inside of you creating those feelings. That's you. Yeah. So really it's just, we all have, we have these mirrors in our life that show us like, this is what we're capable of. And this is who we really are. Amazing. Well, I am now very excited to get into some relationship questions and some other questions as well. We're not just doing all, you know, about love because this yeah. is my anti-Valentine's Day show. That's why I say. <laughs> not anti-Valentine's No, I'm not. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but today we're going to be talking about moving on from a toxic relationship, mm. listening to your instincts when it comes to partners, and feeling lonely when you are in one place in your life and your friends are in another. So let's shift gears and take our first question from Ketan. Hi, Headspace team. Uh, This is Ketan from India. My question is regarding how to survive and overcome past hurt 
my only relationship that i have had was 5 years ago which ended in a very toxic breakup it was a toxic relationship and it it has left uh, on me a lot of mental scars that surface whenever i face a hardship how do i combat that and uh, how do i make it so that the scars of the previous relationship don't uh, doesn't affect my present relationships wow that's a juicy question that sure <laughs> is sure is i mean yeah it, it can stuff can stay with you so i'm curious yeah. what your thoughts are dora yeah and it's interesting because in the question there was the answer part of the answer which is the awareness piece of even just recognizing what's coming up for you so the awareness of this thing is showing up when i experience other tragic things in my life you know it's still there that seed is still there and i think that's the like number one place to start you have to you have to have the awareness of what's going on for you to be able to change anything or to transform anything so Obviously, we have to come back to the practice of mindfulness <laughs> and meditation and knowing what's going on. And that can really shine a light on who we are and what we've experienced. And we aren't the hurt that we've experienced. And there's that space that exists between, again, the toxic relationship, our exes, and then who we are as an individual. And I think breakups are are they are painful, but for me, you know, I don't want to say I get excited about heartbreak, but it is like a a time for me to get to relearn myself and understand myself as this new individual. So that untethering process is yes. really, 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 really beautiful in the sense of understanding who I am and who I was and um, what I'm not. So I think that's where the awareness piece comes into into play of recognizing what's me and what's not me. And am I able to respond to the present moment or am I still responding to past hurt? And that's where that untethering piece comes from when you start to recognize who you are. And I was also thinking, like, there is a, a moment at the end of something to look at and say, what's the pattern here that I'm repeating or that's or that keeps coming back to me? And because yeah. he mentioned when he's in stressful situations, it comes back up. It sounds like it's his body going, you still haven't handled this and I'm here. Yeah, I'd like you to dial in on this a little bit. Yeah, so that's the second piece. Like, we can know, right, the awareness piece of, like, I experienced this thing. It's still showing up. This person caused it. This happened. You can become very aware of it. But then the second piece is also figuring it out in your body because, again, we get so used to people and there's patterns. Like you said, we get conditioned to the texting in the morning, maybe yeah. texting at lunch, maybe texting in the evening, all those different things that you do that become a part of us and our bodies also carry that information and store those memories as well. So I would say the figuring out in your mind is the first the first piece to start with. And then the second piece is also figuring it out in your body. So, you know, exercising, doing things that you can allow you to like really move that stress within your body because we, we forget about that, right? The yeah. mind is listening, but the body is listening as well. And after my first breakup, I actually, I got into meditation and I got into running. And those were oh. the two things that really, like, sustained me. Yeah, it was, I don't know why, I <laughs> decided to run long kilometers. But 
remembering your body in all of this because our bodies store and hold so many so many memories. And like he had said, when he experienced other painful things, your body is responding, right? Yeah. It doesn't know the difference between heartbreak and you being in traffic and pissed off at the car in front of you. Yeah. It just knows the responses. Yeah. If you were saying to him how he should be looking for his body, you know, mm-hmm. like what's he looking for? Is it like when something comes up and he has a connection back to that period, he should yeah. say, oh, my jaw's tight. Like what should he do? Yeah. So sitting with those feelings, the body scan meditation is a great way to connect body and mind. So noticing when you're getting upset or when you're experiencing stress, what are the different sensations that begin to arise and familiarizing ourselves with that? Because a lot of the time we want to run away from those feelings, right? And Kind of like what you had said, if we don't face it, it will just continue to show up until we're able to cultivate a sense of openness and curiosity and acceptance of like, there's this thing that's here, you know, and how can I go through it instead of around it or run away from it and just be with it, invited in for tea. Yeah. And I would say another thing is forgiveness, self-forgiveness and forgiveness for that person. We may not have agreed with what they did or, you know, he said it was a toxic relationship. So maybe he was harmed, they were harmed. But forgiveness is another way to let go. So there's a really beautiful practice in the Headspace app by yours truly called Forgiveness. (laughs) And it's the Ho'oponopono meditation practice. It's an ancient Hawaiian healing practice for reconciliation. And you just say four phrases over and over and over again, and it like penetrates the heart. It gets right to the heart. And it's really beautiful. It's painful. But again, it's learning how to let go and doing so in a way that's gracefully because I know with breakups, sometimes we can like hate our way to Mm -hmm. let go. You know what I mean? We can really hate that person. I'm going to let go. And yeah, you did this to me. And even as I'm sitting here, I'm like that. It's it's tight. It's tense. But to let go in, in a graceful way, I mean, that's how you can really begin that healing process. It is hard to let go of anger towards someone who hurt you. That's difficult. But I do agree with you. That's the way out is compassion for the other person. But that is not always easy. Yeah. And I'm not, again, I'm going to reiterate, we're not, you know, saying that what they did was right if they caused this harm, right? But we're just choosing to allow things to be as they are. And also recognizing the human being that's there. So letting go of the title or the labels of X because that can carry a charge. But, you know, just as much as I'm suffering, this person is suffering as well. And, you know, they desire happiness and peace and safety and love just as much as I do. And maybe the the ways that they go about that is very different from mine, but it's like a human-to-human thing. It's no longer ex-boyfriend, ex-girlfriend, or ex-partner and whatever. It's like... We're both two people that are suffering. Yeah, well, it's like, I wish you well so I can wish me well. Yeah. Even if that's a selfish reason to go for it. I mean, is that a bad thing, Dora? If it's like, if you're you're selfishly doing it because you want to let go, even if you're doing a nice thing by wishing them well, is that bad? I mean, it's the intention behind it. So I, again, like it shouldn't be transactional, but it's like I'm doing this. So then because, it's bad. Yeah, I don't want to say it's bad <laughs> or it's good. <laughs> You're bad, Robin. But just noticing the intention behind it and you can feel right. it in your body, right? I think I've known, I'm able to know when I've actually let go of something when I experience like peace and calm in my mind. And I can tell when I'm pushing and forcing myself to let go because I'll still be obsessing over the thing that happened. And so once yeah. I'm able to connect to that sense of peace, I'm like, I'm I'm good with the situation now and I can move on. I think that was probably a really good gauge for Katen because that's something that you can measure. If I'm yep. feeling peace for the person, 
or am I obsessing? And if I'm still in an obsessing place, then there's more work to do. So I think that's really wonderful advice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hope so. I'm. We're on this journey together. <laughs> we're on this together. We sure are. Yeah, that's that's what's been helpful for me. Okay, so let's get into our second question from Amy. Hi, my name's Amy, and I'm from Belfast. And I was just wondering how to deal with loneliness when meditating, when everyone around you doesn't really do it or they don't really take it seriously and you feel the benefits of it but you kind of feel a bit isolated because the people that you relate to on that level are on a phone. I'm only 18 so it is a bit of a struggle because everyone around me just kind of wants to go out partying and stuff but I don't really want to do that anymore. I don't feel the need to do that anymore personally so I know this is just a part of the journey but just would like to know how you guys dealt with this or what your journey was like through this so I don't feel as alone. Oh, Amy. Amy. We're with you. We're with you. Yeah. I I love this question because I think this isn't spoken about in the wellness world or self-healing world or therapist world, whatever this world is. When you outgrow people and when you make changes, we don't talk about the... The side effects of that and loneliness is one of those things where you don't identify with the people that were in your life. And this is something that I really struggled with and is still something that I struggle with and I have to sit with at times because there's a lot of decisions sometimes you can make out of loneliness that may not serve you in the long run and you may want to hang out with people that you know aren't good for you and then you know there's nothing worse than the regret <laughs> that lingers <laughs> weeks and months later of like why did I do that thing again so yeah I love this question so much and um, right there with you Amy I feel this very deeply yeah I mean I this reminds me of like when I first started doing some self-help workshops there was this one that I did that was a little bit I, I feel like they were a little bit culty. I know I'm probably not supposed to say that, but they were a little bit like they were kind of scaring you. And they were saying, if everyone around you doesn't have the language that Mm. you have here, you could lose them or that. And it scared me to death because I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to lose my family. I might lose my relationship Mm. because they can't speak the same language or or they're basically they're not up to what I'm up to. And, you know, one of the things that's helped me over the years is like I've realized that different people and my relationships with people are different. So there are some people in my life where I can talk like this, where we're going to talk really deeply and we're going to have intense conversations. And then there's other people who are just like, hey, man, and they're just like fun people I want to hang out with. And it's, I think, giving myself permission that every single person doesn't have to be everything to me was Mm. really helpful. Yeah. I think about two things. And the one thing that I'm thinking about right now is in 2017, I did the like Facebook thing when I was on Facebook of like writing this status about how I was no longer subscribing to like certain ways of living. So I said like, I'm not eating animal products. I'm no longer drinking alcohol or, you know, doing drugs and all these different things. And everyone was very happy for me. Everyone Mm -hmm. was liking it and commenting it. And my best friend at the time, like, there was a a few years in my life where I, like, was home. Not homeless. I just, I didn't have a home. (laughs) So I was living in her house with her. And we literally were sharing the same bedroom. And she just stopped talking to me because (sighs) she had seen that post. And Oh, no. She had seen that post. Sorry. And 
it was so confusing for me because I was like, I'm bettering myself, you know, and it feels like I've done something horribly wrong. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm not, it just like wasn't making sense in my mind of how the person that I thought would support me the most no longer wants to be friends for me. And it really had, it really invited me to like sit with the expectations of my friendships and the standards that I have for my friendships and also being very, very real with like the reality of certain friendships that I had. And the reality of it was, is that we had nothing in common only when we would go out and party and drink. And so that way that we related was serving us in that one way. But when it was like sober Dora, boring Dora, quote unquote, it's like we had nothing to talk about. And that reality was so hard. But now when I look back at it, I probably wouldn't be here on this podcast (laughs) (laughs) had I not made that decision to stop doing and living in the ways that I was living. So I think for you, Amy, coming coming back to your intention. So what's your why? um, And how can you stay connected to that thing? Because for me, my intention was really important of like, I want to live better. I'm tired of living and experiencing life in this one way. I'm tired. I get hangovers for a week. I get my migraines, like all these different things. And I'm like, I want to feel good in my body and in my mind and my spirit. And that was something that I would come back to often. Like this is my why. So that would be my first suggestion or one way to work with that loneliness is setting an intention for yourself. And the second thing that I did in that period of my life was, you know how those, those there's the manifestation list that we can do for our perfect partner Yeah. So I did that with my friends and I wrote like, this is my perfect friend and this is the qualities that that friend is going to have. They're going to be caring and understanding and they're going to be playful and they're going to accept me as I am and support me no matter where I am in my life. And so I would... I wrote that all down as if yeah. I was going to manifest like the perfect friend. And that also required me to to be those things, you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. It's like, am I any of these qualities? <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and yeah, over time, I mean, it's been, what, six, seven years now? And it's like I have people in my life that are like that and just trusting the process and the unfolding of things. But it's worth the wait. Yeah. That's amazing. Like, I am all about declaring and then living into it. I do think that it just the declaration adjusts your behavior. And then I think that the energy you put out really shifts. And I can imagine, you know, I I had such an image when you were talking about, you know, your friend. Like, if you've ever been overweight or had an issue like that, sometimes Mm. other overweight friends aren't happy for you when you lose weight Mm. because it shines a mirror back to them about what they're doing and sometimes can try to bring you back down. Yeah, big time, big time. And I think that's also what had happened of me not drinking. It was like I was judging other people for drinking, which was not my intention. You know, I have a history of alcoholism in my family. So for me, I was like, why am I doing this? Thing? <laughs> why yeah, am I doing this? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense, you know? Yeah. But for other people, it was like, oh, well, now we can't do this thing with you. And I was like, why is this triggering people so much? But again, it's cut you're, you're, you know, unintentionally making people have, have to face the decisions and choices and actions that they make. And some people aren't ready to see those things. Yeah. And that's okay. I mean, you are your own responsibility and that's all you can care for. 
Yeah. And Amy, I hope that you can hear, I'm going to call you little Dora, where little Dora was <laughs> and where, where Dora is today. And just that that was unequivocally the right path for you to make that declaration and to live into it. And Amy, I think it will be for you. Yeah. But you know, it's like you're doing this wonderful thing for yourself. And I hope that the people around you can see it. And if they can't, then then it doesn't mean you have to throw them away. You yeah. can, you know, you don't have to lose their friendships unless it doesn't fit any longer. Yeah. But, the, you know, the, the, you may find that some will, you'll shed some friendships and then you'll keep others and then you'll make new ones. Yeah. And I will say when it comes to that feeling of loneliness, like, Connection is a biological imperative. We need to feel connected to people. We need community. And this is what I love about the internet is like I've made so many internet friends, even before moving to L.A. There's so many people that I knew in L.A. um, when I was living in Canada. And it's like now I get to hang out with these people and we were connected through the internet. So finding online groups or online communities and forums with other people um, that you can relate with, maybe in your town. I'm not sure what Belfast is like, but if there's meditation groups, my friend Sam that also works at Headspace, talks about Meetup a lot, which is an app, you know, being on there and finding communities that you can grow with. Because I definitely hear you. Being at home alone, meditating can get, it gets boring after a while. You know what I mean? We need human connection. And that's also um, how we grow because there's only so much work that we can do in isolation. And we put that work into practice by being with other people. And Amy, I think you should do the the manifestation sheet that Dora yes. was talking about because that sounds like I'm going to do it after we're done recording. Well, good luck, Amy. We're with you. We said it. We mean it. We're with you. Yes. Much love to you on your journey. All right. I mean, it just, it goes by so quickly, but this is our, our third question. <laughs> Dora's dancing. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Here's Jade. Dear Headspace, my name is Jade and I'm from Ohio. I just got out of my first relationship, and it was a year and a half long. I put my everything into it, but I knew and I felt all along that I wasn't getting as much as I was giving. Throughout the entire relationship, I pushed this feeling and like intuition down as insecurity and anxiety because I struggle with that already, but I always had a feeling and an internal knowledge that I wasn't getting what I needed and I just spent the entire time hoping that it would come because I had talked to my partner at the time about what I needed but they could never give it to me so I guess what I'm asking is how do I let go of this hope when it's doing more damage to me than good how do I let go of a relationship when I know it's not serving me I like to try to stay hopeful because it brings positivity to my life and I always see the best in everybody but how do I trust my gut and let go of the hope when it's not serving me wow Jade I mean I don't know the first thing that jumped out at me Dora was I don't want you to get rid of hope Yeah, I want you to trust your instincts but what are your thoughts yeah I think it goes back to What I am feeling in this moment is what I had shared earlier about the advice of despite the conditions, right, remaining hopeful regardless of whatever is going on. So you may 
let go of the hope that you have with that person or maybe it's just seeing the reality of the situation, seeing it for what it is, but staying connected to that sense of hopefulness that, you know, this was a great opportunity to learn from. I've learned what I want and what I don't want. And I'm so hopeful that I will find a relationship or a person that will be right for me. And when I speak my needs to this person, they're going to hear me this time. Yeah. And I had shared at the beginning of this episode, I'm a hopeful romantic, not a hopeless <laughs> romantic. <laughs> I'm full of hope when it comes to romance. And I love love. Um, and I think it's because I've been able to stay connected to this is what I want. This is what I know is possible and I know what's true. And I'm just waiting for it to now show up in the physical form. So yeah, stay connected to that sense of hope despite what the conditions may look like and, you know, keep on affirming yourself. I know what it feels like to be a giver when you're with a taker and how yeah. draining it can be and how, yeah, how sad it can be at times. A year yeah. is a long time to give and give and give and not be met with the same type of giving that you're giving. So, But I mean, I also heard in Jade's question, Yeah, I, I just think it's really important to listen to your instincts. Yeah, a teacher of mine had shared, oftentimes we choose attachment over authenticity. Oh. Um, so, you know, we're choosing that desire to be liked and to be accepted and loved. And we'll do, we'll risk it all for that versus staying true to who we are and honoring our own needs and being yeah. able to listen to that. Um, intuition is like a muscle. You have to practice it. You got to work on it. It's something that when you hear that call, it's like listen to it the first time so you can get better at that. Yeah. You know and what trusting I mean? that it's not you're, you're it's not gonna send you down some crazy road. Yeah. And I would say another thing with intuition is like being able to heal your nervous system or to soothe your ner- nervous system because Sometimes intuition can get caught up with fear. You know what I mean? It's hard to be able to discern, is this the right choice? Is this something that's actually for me? Or am I just like super anxious and am I doing this thing because it's just expected of me and it's conditioned versus like, for me, my intuition comes from a place of peace and calm and clarity like I had shared before. Yeah. And again, that's when I'm settled and grounded and able to be calm and centered. So working on your nervous system, whether that's with a trusted professional or, you know, yeah. doing finding those resources to help yourself. And um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a muscle and listening yeah. to it over time, not only when it's these like bigger situations, but even when you got to go to the bathroom, my therapist was like, <laughs> don't hold back. You know what I mean? Listen to it the first time because yeah. that is something that can help you build your intuition. Sometimes I want to sit around. I'm like, I got to go to the bathroom really badly. And I want to like wait oh, and don't so want to miss away. out, you know, but it's like, <laughs> do it on the first time and that actually helps. So. But what an interesting way to practice your intuition. That's yes. so, that's so interesting. You know, I also think that Jade shouldn't, like, don't beat yourself up for having been in that space. No. Y- you're going to learn from it. You're going to grow from it. You're going to, and hopefully maybe you make a different choice next time. And there's, because of the growth. Yeah. And I think sometimes the staying and ignoring your your gut instinct, you're clogging up the lane 
You know, <laughs> like like the like a, a person who's decent can't come in if you're holding all of your space for someone who's treating you badly. Yeah, you got to create the space for the right things to enter. And I'm with you on that. Um, it can be really easy to be hard on ourselves in those yeah. moments where it's like, I gave my all. But then this is where that hope piece comes in. It's like, imagine if I could give my all to the right person. Right. You know what I mean? And I'm doing myself a disservice by withholding all that love I have because I'm thinking about that person that disappointed me. Yeah. So staying hopeful, connecting to that sense of wonder is like so important. There's 8 billion people on this earth, Robin. (laughs) 8 billion people. (laughs) There's got to be somebody better than that fool who was not treating you right. I'm like still thinking about that one guy that dumped me in grade 12 and how horrible he is. I'm like, Dora, it's 2023. We're still talking about this guy that's probably living his life with his kids and his family. You know what I mean? There's, And I'm so hopeful. But when I'm not present, that's the other thing. Presence is so important. Being with what is right here and right now. Because yeah. again, we can get so caught up in responding to something that happened 12 years ago that we're missing out on life that's happening for us right now. Right now. So. Well, and I also think like that people tell you who they are. Yeah. They they tell you in their words. They show you in their actions. Yeah. And it takes a lot of energy to ignore what a person is saying and doing. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking of like a couple of Oof, a couple of girlfriends I had where my friends were just like, Robin. like, yeah. And I was just like, no. Nope. I was like, trust me, it's great. She's and they, The work I had to do just to make her seem presentable to my friends because I didn't want to lose my friends because yeah. they all knew it was a mess. You know, it's, when you take a step back, it's like, I was doing all of that. Yeah. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> but yeah, that attachment versus authenticity. And our attachment styles come from childhood. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I don't want to get too deep. Inner child work can be heavy. But looking at the ways that you were connecting with your parents and the type mm-hmm. of love and care that you received, maybe you or a child that had to negate your own needs in order to be accepted and loved by your parents. And now as an adult, that's showing up in your romantic relationships. So I always go back to like inner child, what's showing up right now in this present moment that I've learned from, yeah. you know, childhood and reconciling that. Telling your inner child it's safe to be you now. You no longer have to live in this way, right? The right people will show up at the right time and staying connected to what it is that you need and deserve is is key. I often feel like so many of these things boil down to a worth question. Like, yeah. Jade, you are worthy of love, mm-hmm. yeah. of, of good, healthy love that makes you happy. And yeah. I think it's sometimes difficult to say that about yourself, to yeah. say, I am worthy, I deserve this, and, you know, take up that space. Yeah, I the 10-day self-compassion course that I have in the Headspace app can help because in that time, in that past year, you were doing the best that you knew how. Yeah. And now you know differently, and that's beautiful, but you can't change the past, unfortunately, but you can work towards creating a better future for yourself. Oh, that's yeah. beautiful. And keep us posted, Jade. We're here. We would love to hear, you know, how you're doing. But trust in yourself. You got this. Okay, Dora. I mean, I think if we've learned anything today, it's that relationships are complicated. Oh, yeah. (laughs) They're messy, complicated, but so beautiful. 
Uh, Well, I would like to say a big thanks to our callers today for sharing their questions with us. This was just so lovely and and maybe turned me around on Valentine's Day. Maybe, maybe. And if you are out there listening and you have a question that you'd like us to answer, just head over to sayhi.chat slash Dear Headspace. All you have to do is follow the prompts, record your question. And if we use your question or we share your mindful moment from your day on the show, you're going to get three months of Headspace for you or you can share it with a loved one, which is exciting. And before we go, we're going to leave you with some nice, soothing sounds. So sit back, relax, soften the eyebrows, the jaw, and the shoulders, and just allow these sounds to wash over your mind, body, and spirit. Yes, and today it's the sounds of the wind in the pine trees, which is Mm. pretty amazing. So till next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and be kind to one another. Dear Headspace is a Headspace Studios original podcast. It's produced by Robin Hopkins, Ash Jones, and Scott Sorensen. It's executive produced by Morgan Selzer, Sarah Cohen, Baron Farmar, and Danny Christamy. It's hosted and produced by Robin Hopkins, Kesanga Giscombe, Dora Kamau, Samantha Snowden, and Eve Lewis Prieto. Sound recording and post-production is by Dan Kroll. Music is by Scott Sorensen and Chris Merguia. And a very special thanks to Colleen Lutz. 